Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a conversation that I recorded with my friend Abby Johnson. Abby is a recent seminary graduate, and she has studied extensively environmental theology. This was part of her concentration that she earned during her seminary studies. And so I bring her on uh, to talk about this passion of hers. And you'll notice through the course of our conversation, there's so much that's drawn out that is just very valuable in terms of our own daily walk of faith. But whether or not environmental theology might interest you, this episode is still for you because I think there's a lot in here that we can apply to other areas of our life or specific passions or interests or experiences that we might have. Abby will share all about how her experience in environment and hiking and skiing has been so formative for her and her experiences of God throughout her lifetime. And so she brings that to her academic study of theology and just the ways that she thinks about God today. It's a really great conversation. Abby's a really smart individual, and I'm really excited to share this podcast with you. So let's get right to it. As always, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe and share with your friends. Please invite more people to listen in and let me know, uh, nate at bethany-denver.org. If there's a particular episode you'd like to see or a particular person um, that you would like me to interview, I've been having a lot of fun with this, and I really appreciate your continued support and interest in this podcast. But now here we go, a conversation with Abby Johnson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Together for Good podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode. I have on the line with me, all the way from New England, my friend, Abby Johnson. Abby, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be part of this conversation with you. Yeah, Abby is... I met Abby, so I was the director of admissions at the seminary in Philadelphia, And Abby was a student looking for a seminary to go to. And I convinced her to come to Philadelphia. I begged you because you were a very (laughs) impressive applicant. Um, And we've stayed friends and stayed in touch since then. And so, Abby, tell us a little bit more about uh, where your life stands currently. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm, we definitely met um, within admissions, but I, I think the first time that we had a really good conversation, kind of like this one we're going to have is, I think it was my first day of classes and quickly felt overwhelmed by how much there was to know. And you were the, the person who I knew on campus just from interviews and things. And so I remember walking into your office and saying, can I have a little space to talk through some things on my mind? And you very graciously offered me that. And from then on, it was lots of good conversations. So um, I'm really grateful for that even now. Um, Absolutely. Like, yes, yeah. no, I, I do remember that well now that you say it. Um, <laughs> yeah. As the admissions director, there were lots of people who would stumble into my office who, yeah, it, it, seminary is like a fire hose, especially when you start off. But yeah. you managed well, right? You, you finished that degree, didn't you? I did. I did. As of like two weeks ago, I virtually graduated. Um, so I, I was able to complete all of my academic work um, with United Lutheran Seminary. Based, I was based out of Philadelphia mostly. Um, and then I went on to a year of an internship um, at a church outside of Boston in Arlington, Mass, where I currently still am. And I'm wrapping that up. I'll be ending in, in just a couple months months and that kind of starts falling into the the first call process of um, being placed somewhere probably in a congregation to be their pastor um, and I've done some hospital chaplaincy this year on this side um, which is a deep love of mine as well and so 
um, yeah, I'm still still in New England, born and raised, and still here, um, and and probably and will be placed for a first call up this way too. Um, and so excited to see kind of how the next few months unfold. A lot of newness coming up. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the graduation. Glad to hear you uh, saw yeah. that all through. <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. Yeah, any congregation is going to be blessed to have you as their leader. Good luck in that whole call process. Um, that's Thank quite you. the quite the event that you're getting geared up for. Uh, but I brought you on today because I remember and know that you have a, a keen interest in environmental theology. I and do. that was was that a concentration of yours? You're allowed to have concentrations there still, correct? Yeah. To some degree. Yes. So you yeah. were sort of an environmental study or environmental theology concentration. I don't know if that's the correct title. Right. Uh, right. Oh, I got yeah. it right. Okay, good. Well, so I, I just, I know a lot of people um, really love the environment, particularly out here in Colorado. We go to the mountains for the weekends all the time. We go skiing up in the mountains. We go hiking. We love being outdoors. Every trail system is perfectly manicured and well-maintained. The park systems are <laughs> awesome. Am I convincing you to come move out here? Yeah, yeah you, it's sounding this better. better. Let you. me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I was just thinking that you would have all sorts of great wisdom to share with us to help us better understand this idea. What does it mean to be an environmental theologian? All of those good things. So that's where our conversation's headed. But we have to take things one step at a time. So Abby, just talk to us about what theology is, because that's always a term that gets tossed around, but I think it's worth defining. So yeah, as a newly minted seminary graduate, what does that term mean to you? Yeah, great question. And and environmental theology, too, is such a mouthful. And usually when I mention to people that that's a deep passion of mine, they're like, what, what does that even mean? So <laughs> I'm glad that we get to talk about it today. Um, but yeah, one step at a time, theology... Um, that's the study of God or the study of the divine and also our relationship with the sacred, with God. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we're when we're looking at theology, we're um, we, we're studying and, and kind of looking at um, our, our spiritual lives um, and also some of our the history behind religion and how that has kind of taken shape in the world and in people's lives. Um, and so it's it's really looking at that, that relationship that we have to the divine through the history of how we've experienced it and going forward into um, uh, the future. So. Yeah, and I love the way that you're defining that too, because I think what I'm always constantly trying to encourage people is to think of themselves as a theologian, because we all are. It's that, mm -hmm. you know, it's this big weighty term but we all relate to the divine. We all think about the divine in different ways. And to give people that, that room, too, to, to share from their experience and share from their wisdom and the things they've been through in their life, to allow that to influence, yeah, the way that they speak and talk about the divine. And I think it's because we have different lived experiences that there are so many different types of specialized theologies out there. Because environmental theology is, is one type of specialized theology, but there are many, many more because people have different life experiences and there's different ways that folks have come to consider what God means for them and for their communities and for their lived experience. So say a little bit about specialized theology and in particular environmental theology, just what we mean when we say those things. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I want to say too that the theology, I think people um, very quickly kind of jump to the idea of studying the divine in terms of like big books and classrooms and things, but I, I think it's also important to know that theology is witnessing the divine too. It's, it's by um, ex the experiences of our lives that we take time to reflect and notice and there's 
a lot of deep learning that comes from that. And so theologians can be people of, of observation and witness too, not just those who are, you know, in living in academia. Um, and especially, yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, I mean, I talk to my kids, I'm like, you're a theologian. Come on, tell me what you think about God, because right. if they're not using big books or yeah, dusty manuscripts, like you say. That's a great point, Abby. Good. Yeah, yeah. And so, so specialized theology is kind of taking that idea of of our observation and our studies of the divine and what is sacred in our lives, um, but holding certain truths a little closer to heart when we're pursuing that understanding of the divine. So, truths could be things like specific histories or cultures or celebrations and joys or pains and traumas. So these different um, truths that we're just kind of keeping a little closer to us when we're going towards that um, exploration with the divine. And so for environmental theology, some of the truths that we may be holding a little closer to heart when we're exploring the sacred are things like um, uh, our fundamental belief that the world was created by the divine in the first place, like that, that this is God's mm. creation and God's earth. Um, and then things like the history of science and the history of evolution and and viewing that um, kind of in uh, in partnership with our faith as opposed to like ob um, uh, like real conflict. Um, we hold the beauty of land and the necessity of it. We hold the kind of grandeur of creatures and but we also are kind of keeping in mind pain and trauma like that of climate change and climate injustice that um, comes from this um, environmental crisis that we're also kind of in the middle of. So, so those are some things that we're kind of keeping in mind when we're doing this study and when we're doing this exploration um, with God um, that, that kind of uh, maybe highlight certain attributes or, or help us frame our thinking um, kind of based on some of these things. Yeah. And what I'm taking from that and thinking about as we talk about specialized theology just in general, too, environmental theology might not be for everyone. I'm sure no. that not every student uh, from your seminary graduated with that concentration. And that's OK. <laughs> yeah. it, as we were saying, too, I, what, what I'd like to hear from you, too, what is it from your lived experience, you think, that has made you want to focus on this? Because really, that's what you're talking about is that. An environmental theologian turns up certain knobs a little bit louder and brings, you know, right. a, a different lens to seeing it. And that might not be the case for everyone because it's a big world and, and the, the topic of God is a very big topic. And so there are other knobs on the radio, so to speak, that you could turn up and focus on more so. That's what gives us, um, you know, thinking about other types of theology. There's liberation theology, there's black theology, there's queer theology, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Different, different focuses and foci that people really um, focus on. So what is it with you, Abby, that made you um, so focused on these particular elements of the character of God? Yeah, absolutely. And and I also like within all these different kinds of specialized theology, then we have intersectional theology. So you have all of these pieces coming together in different ways and oh, good point. with different mm -hmm. experiences <laughs> for people too. And so for me, my I'm my theology is intersectional in lots of places and ways, but but environmental theology has always really been um I don't think I had the name for it or the the vocabulary for it um for a while, but but um this awareness of 
of my experience of God as being very much connected and interwoven with environment um, and, and particularly natural environment um, is something that that was kind of uh, had a place in my life for a long time. Um, you're talking about the, the wonders of Colorado and life out West. We got a couple of those out East too, you know, so <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in a big skiing family. It was you know, Saturday's ritual was get up and put on your long johns and pack the car and no questions asked. And so, um, and was a, a big hiker um, and really enjoy climbing and, and kayaking and things. And so um, I think my first kind of interaction with environmental theology was from that place of witness and was from that place of just like wonder and just enjoyment of what was created and um, and um, and feeling this really deep love of, of finding myself in it and finding my community as part of it. Um, and so I that's that kind of element of environment has always found a place in my joy in the, my experience of joy in life. Um, and when I was a kid, um, I, I was uh, really active in our in our church. But for me, where I found kind of my own footing in my my own spirituality was really through camp ministry. Yeah. Um, and I attended as a kid for all my summers growing up and loved it and then went back and worked in that same space when I was in college and and even after college. And um, and so I think that that um, that piece kind of brought in a little bit more of the um, the attention to reflection within environmental theology. So not just like we love this, we're outside, we're hiking, we're climbing, we're skiing, we're doing these great things. But what does that mean for our relationship um, with God? And, and how is that affecting us when we have to leave these places of joy and go into other spaces of our lives? And um, what does that kind of resonance, how does it stay with us? And so camp was really, really big for me. Um, and um, I, I continue to think that camp ministry is just such a powerful place of, of change and impact in people's lives and spiritual lives. Um, and then I, you know, I and then I went off to seminary and didn't really think about the connections between environmental theology until I had the opportunity to take classes um, that that looked at this um, this kind of lens. I guess is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. It really is putting um, specialized theologies function kind of like lenses um, when we're looking at theology. So it's it's a unique emphasis. And so I had the opportunity to be in a classroom with other people who had these joys and loves and connections to the environment um, and then kind of piece our, our faith into that in really um, uh, kind of deep, rich ways. And so that was my, my way to environmental theology and then just fell in love with it and ran with it. And so it turned into, I was our sustainability coordinator for my seminary for a little while and so got to be um, looking more at how do we um, use our space, our physical space and and our facilities to um, to worship God in the ways that we do environmental stewardship and how do we worship together within taking care of our gardens and um, and, and our gathering spaces and how do we make nature and our um, kind of wonder and joy um, of, of nature a little bit more a piece of those things. And so that, that was kind of how I found environmental theology was through those, um, yeah. yeah. What I what I love too about what you describe in your whole narrative there is the ways that that this really is a combination of your faith and, and something that's probably a bit more emotional and hard to put a, a particular pin on. You you had this faith that was formed through camp and also, you know, a, a lifetime of experiences and connection with nature. 
And then you bring that into a theological realm where theology is a very heady matter, mm-hmm. typically, but you found a place where these two can over overlap. And so I'd love for you to just say more, I mean, just in particular, more about this study of environmental theology that you got to do in your seminary experience, but, mm-hmm. but in particular, what that was like for you as you found ways for something very academic and I saw your transcripts you were a very good student all the time (laughs) (laughs) um, to then connect that with an experience of faith because I think that's a hard thing for people to do a lot of the time as well of to to have their thinking brain over here but then their faith experience over there and this is often why faith and science people get conflicted when those two try and talk to one another but that's clearly not been your experience and so yeah. I, I mean, I'm giving you a lot of avenues to go down and feel free to just take yeah. whatever path <laughs> seems most uh, fruitful. But I'm noticing that in your in the way that you're describing all this is that your your story is one of um, head and heart overlapping, which is something I'm always fascinated by. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, before I before I went to seminary, before I started really pursuing environmental theology, I, I was actually a neuroscience major um, in college. And so was a part of the sciences in a, in a very different way. And I can remember people asking, because people knew, friends of mine knew that I, I had um, this deep love and interest of my my spiritual life and my faith. Like, how do I reconcile these pieces? Because often they are kind of put at odds um, and um, almost positioned against one another. And to me, the more I learned about you know, neurons and synapses and brains and things, but also the more I learned about just science and and the detail complexity of it, the more I was kind of at awe. And I think it drew me further into my into my faith and my mm-hmm. appreciation and seeking it out because I was just kind of marveling. And and that's really what being in, in nature does for me so often is is this sense of marveling. And and I find that um, that that that's that spirit of wonder is kind of what then um, really charges me up to say like, okay, now I want to like figure it out and sit with it and read with it and have conversation is um, uh, awe and wonder lead me into um, a lot of this kind of, oh, I want to dig in further. And so in these classes that I was able to be a part of in seminary, that environmental um, uh, focus, I was able to kind of dig into that. And, and the first real kind of um, access point was in um, a biblical studies class. That was my first environmental theology class. Um, and I think that it was a it was a great introduction to kind of picking up this this text, you know, the Bible that I have read in so many different ways at different times in my life, but never had really considered like where is the character of creation in in parts of this um, this book that um, has been so influential in other aspects of my life, and so. Um, well, I think when we're when we're coming to the Bible as environmental theologians, which you all listening, um, you know, being a part of this conversation, even by observation, you are an environmental theologian here with us. So when we when we come to the uh-huh. the Bible um, as environmental theologians of of the Christian religion, um, we're really seeing that creation is its own character in this larger faith narrative, and and we see this from um, you know the very beginning and the stories of Genesis. Um, when uh, God is um, with the people um, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And um, you'll notice there's actually two creation stories at the beginning of the Bible, which Mm -hmm. is so beautiful that our 
faith begins with diversity, even in diversity of thought. Um, that's always really struck me um, that we've got different ways of understanding and experiencing and interpreting from the get go. Um, and, and in that second, um, in, in Genesis 2, in that second telling of, of a creation story, um, there's a real emphasis on, on humanity as being invited as a um, to observe and to wonder through the process of creation. Um, and yes, is set apart for um, uh, in, in, in our image and in our purpose, but is really given a lot of responsibility to, to care for the earth. And, and the words till and keep the earth mm -hmm. um, are explicitly said by God when God is um, kind of placing humanity in this space and, and, and kind of giving humanity a decree. And, and that's very different than Genesis 1 when we hear about um, have dominion um, and, and subdue it, right? Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> so strikingly different in these pairings of words, um, till and keep and subdue and have dominion. And um, and I remember in this in this course, we talked really um, deeply about what it, what would it mean to be more of a Genesis two people of if we came to envi the environment with more of a spirit of tilling and keeping it. Would that affect how would that affect our faith and the way that we live in? And and that's just one example from the Bible, but we see it throughout um, uh, the Gospels as well, and into the restoration that happens in Revelation. And so when we put this lens of environmental theolo theology. Um, on our, our glasses when we're even reading the Bible, um, there's these different these different components and relationship aspects that really come forth. And what's powerful to me, again, is that you put these glasses on because they're part of your experience as well. Mm -hmm. I like you, many of my of those thin spaces where I've really felt the presence of God have been in nature. And it's Absolutely. that sense of wonder, that sense of smallness, yet connection to the beauty that's around us in the world. And, and so then to, to bring all of that emotional weight to reading these stories and, and to kind of, like you keep saying, that pair of glasses, that lens of, hey, this is how I've experienced it. So now what do these words, how, how do they have greater meaning because of my experience? And that's yeah. where I just think that's very, very powerful for folks to, to, to be encouraged to, to do that because the, the Bible isn't a, a particularly flowery book. The, the language is, tends to be very direct. And, um, and yet, so to, to have your lived experience inform how you read it is a really, um, I don't know, it's, it's just a great way to be in conversation with the word of God. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a, a Bible um, that um, I believe it's called the Green Bible. And um reference to creation and environment, those words are are printed in green ink, kind of like how in some um, texts of the Bible, Jesus's words are printed in red. Uh -huh. And as you flip through this, this Bible, you see all of this green, this green ink. Um, and it when I when I'm reading from that Bible, it it causes me to pause because sometimes it's really obvious it's a reference to trees or oceans or rivers or things but sometimes it's it's not as obvious and it's um and i have to kind of take a moment to reflect and say what is the connection to creation and how can i be more attentive to it in this text that i'm reading in here at bethany i'm too reminded well and just of how 
yeah, what we bring to the text itself. Mm. Like you're saying, you read it differently when you're reading from that green Bible because of yeah. all of these previous, you know, elements of your story that then go into informing how you look at the green words. And, and I, mean, I experienced that very clearly since moving out here to Colorado. Psalm 121 is this great psalm. It says, I lift my eyes up to the hills from where does my help come from? And there was a woman here who I visited uh, before COVID um, in the nursing home. And she talked about how she loved that because it says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. And so she had even kind of done her own little translation. But because her life, you know, she lived most of her life in Denver, looked at the mountains every single day that mm -hmm. became deeply meaningful for her. Uh, and she even did a little translation work on her own <laughs> independent um, as a result of that. So it just shows of how you can have a relationship with scripture based on these lenses and this theology that we bring to it. So we're, we're getting in the weeds, but I, I mean, it's really valuable. Love this <laughs> stuff. Let's be really practical about it too, though. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us about environmental theology, what it would mean to, to live that out on a daily, day, daily basis, or just some of the ways it can inform us on a practical sense. Sure. I mean, that's so true. Like theology in the classroom and in, in these big books and everything, like it's so well and good and very fun, but like we can't carry those big heavy books with us all the time. So like, what is, the, what is the purpose of, of this? Is, is bring it with you know, us? It's, a, it's available on Kindle, Abby. You can oh, carry okay. it well, there you go. Yeah. Green Bibles for everyone electronically, but, but no, that's such a good point. Like how, how is, how does this, um, you know, this great kind of deep, fun, chunky thinking, work into our daily lives and how can we how can we really bring it along and and i think of it in a few different senses for one like um in in our in our worship life um at, at churches and things this um we might see environmental theology kind of taking shape in the way that um our, our um, ministers and pastors and preachers are delivering the word, you know, if there's more of an inclusion and awareness of environmental theology in the interpretation of scripture and the message being sent out and the, the um, inclusion of uh, environmental stewardship, you know, lots of churches will do a stewardship, stewardship Sunday um, or have a stewardship season. Like what would it look like to include environmental mm. stewardship in that idea of, of um, a, a season of stewardship of being aware of our resources and how we use them and how we share them. If the environment was part of, was shared in that, what would that look like in churches and how would that take shape in our preaching or in the, um, in the music that we're choosing, or even in our Sunday school and education groups for both adults and kids? Um, how would that come into play in really practical ways? I mean, we can talk about spaces, the space that we hold worship. We could try putting it outside. We could include more natural elements to bring our mind back to that um, attention uh, when we're just kind of looking at the space that we're in. Um, but it's also in the way that we're talking and gathering and educating one another and um, in small groups and in worship, um, this becomes uh, very much part of it, part of it too. And, and, you know, when we're um, gathered together as church and we're taking part in the sacraments um, of baptism and communion, there's really something so beautiful about the idea that we are gathering around these natural elements that God mm -hmm. has chosen pieces of nature to make the ordinary extraordinary that we use 
water, which is water is the source of all life. That is what blesses in, in a baptism. Um, and then when we're, you know, gathered around this table to do this simple act of having a meal together, those are, those are products that come out of the earth. So if we remind people about where these things are coming from and that creation is a part of these, um, these celebratory sacrament moments as well, um, then our, our attention kind of, we get more into the practice of having environmental theology find little spaces within our worship life when we gather in that way. I'm also struck by your comment earlier about sense of wonder mm. and how that your, your sense of wonder is part of what initially connected you to this whole environmental theology conversation. You had a sense of wonder and an experience of God in nature and just thinking about how we can try and bring a sense of wonder to our life of worship too that we can try and exemplify in some smaller ways, just in the way that we lead, in the way that we deliver our messages and the creativity, you know, the use of music and the arts and all of that. It seems like throughout history, worship has been in different ways trying to convey a sense of wonder. You look at big, beautiful cathedrals that were built in the 15th century to try and convey a sense of awe when you walked in and the experience of divine just being in that space. I'm seeing a lot of these things overlapping. The other quick story I do want to share, I love that you brought up the sacramental elements. Yeah, that, that God uses the most ordinary means to communicate God's promises, water and bread and wine. Uh, one of the things I am most proud of <laughs> is that we, we were able to put together just a really beautiful baptismal liturgy for my, it was for my son. Sorry for my daughters who missed out on this somehow. <laughs> it didn't get incorporated as well. But his godparents and anyone who, any family that was there, we asked them all to bring water from their spaces because mm. they were from all over the country. And that was the water that filled the font that day, mm. highlighting the ways that, I mean, for in the, the way that the liturgy was written too, was reflecting on how um, communities have always gathered around the water. If you just look at history, it, it's yeah. been almost essential that the community would have to build itself around the water. And yet that's part of what we are as Christians is we're people who are gathered around the water, even though we might be in different far-fung geographic places, that's still what um, claims us and forms us and calls us community. So anyways, that just wanted to share because that was like one of my favorite things ever. Um, shout out to Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, oh my gosh, that is so gorgeous. And and actually I had a, I had a baptism um, that I attended where everyone who, um, who came for this, it was actually held at my, uh, um, my alma mater, Susquehanna University. I was back visiting and the campus pastor, um, was, there was a baptism for his son and everyone who was there was invited to take part. And we all were, um, we all grabbed a stone out of, um, a basket as we entered the chapel. And there was a time during the service where we prayed a blessing over these stones. Everyone, could take a minute and kind of um, gift uh, this beautiful child with with a blessing and, and prayed it um, into these stones. And then during um, during uh, um, some music, we processed up and were able to put these in the font so that when he was baptized um, from the font, there our blessings for him were all kind of mixed into the water um, and the stones there too. And so. I mean, that's just to point out that when you get this conversation started of how do we bring these awe and wonder moments of, of spaces that we have um, in nature that we have that meaning so much to us and finding little ways to bring that into our church services, 
um, that there's a great brainstorming that happens. Like this is just two different ways that we've seen that in, in the one celebration of, of baptism. And so once this conversation gets rolling and people get to talk about the places they love or what speaks to them in nature, um, there's some really great ideas that come forth from it. Absolutely. And oh, that's such a great point is that all of it can inform our life of worship. In fact, all of it should inform our life of worship uh, because it's the community gathering. And so it's the stories of the community coming together in that place to connect with God and God's promises to share God's story. Yeah, it all it all interweaves and intertwines uh, if you take the time and intentionality to make it happen. But, but go on further for us. We don't want to just stay sure. in the worship space either because I'm sure yeah. there's other practical spiritual practices or, or daily pieces to this environmental theology. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So if we really think about, you know, environmental theology as understanding our relationship um, with God through this lens of what is um, natural and creation, um, that also starts affecting the way that we see our call into daily lives and, and call being for all people, not just those called into ministry, but for all people in our daily lives. How do we, how do we live our faith um, in a way that um, we are honoring what God has made um, and what God has gifted us with? and how we, um, how we uh, respect that and honor it and take care of it and share it more widely. And so that starts to find its way into our, our daily life through um, maybe the, the smaller practices that we choose in our day um, to be more environmentally conscious and more environmentally respectful and resourceful and sustainable. And so that's things like, um, I mean, as we are getting into this spring rolling into summer. If you're looking at your yard and thinking, well, instead of having to run to the grocery store for that, you know, those herbs we forgot, like what would it be like to plant a little bit in my, um, in your yard so that you could really feel that connection between the things that you prepare in your home, the way that you feed your family and your relationship with the environment by having maybe even just a little herb box. Um, if you don't have a whole yard space or, or the ways that you choose to get around, it can affect our, um, our transportation is there a bike that you could kind of enjoy traveling on for shorter distances even um, versus taking your car and and burning that fossil fuel um, to be more responsible towards the environment and the air that we're breathing um, and so in in the ways that um, we are all, a lot of us are already kind of looking at our lives and, and figuring out how do we be more um, environmentally responsible, um, may your faith embolden that and may you find that 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 connection isn't just kind of the trendy thing of the moment, but rather it's it really is living out our faith um, in these daily practices of our lives and the way that we, um, you know, how how we use our land and how we get around and how we um, use our resources in our homes like this. This is our this is our life um, in faith also. Exactly. And to say as well and to, to claim for ourselves that these are forms of spiritual practices, that, that these are practices of prayer, even of connection and conversation with God. And so cooking a meal for your family with ingredients, some of which you grew yourself, that is if you bring the, this mindset to it and you bring a conversation with God into that moment, it is absolutely a, a deep and, and beautiful spiritual practice. And we need to all have that creativity and that, that mindset towards looking for the ways that the whole of our life can be connected to the creator. And that all of these little pieces, as you're talking about, that, that it can just be 
deeply forming um, and bring for, for me personally, just such a greater vibrancy to my relationship with God Mm -hmm. uh, because it, it moves God out of these set times that I've established, which is also good. But I, I just remember when I learned that, like, if I, if I called going on a walk a time of prayer, then it was yeah. <laughs> like if I just brought that mindset to that moment that suddenly it transformed the entire experience and it suddenly became an ongoing conversation of God and something deeply connecting a, a deep way for me to connect with God through that. And that's exactly what you're describing. Um, I also just want to mention, I don't know if you've ever read any, but there's a, theologian named vegan Garoyan. i probably butchered his last name he's mm. greek orthodox he teaches at i think he teaches at virginia university in their theology department um but he has a whole collection of books about gardening as a spiritual practice oh, awesome. that's really cool yeah and just such a great way of thinking about how yeah that humanity started in the garden and uh jesus mix, mistook or mary mistook jesus for the gardener when she came on uh, Easter Sunday and all of these pieces informing and bringing greater vibrancy to a very simple task of tilling and keeping the soil, as they say. Oh yeah. And there are some really incredible faith communities that have, have taken um, that focus of, of gardening or of, of land and really kind of um, ran with it. And, and um, I've been able to uh, visit a farm church in um in Maryland, where instead of buying a building, they bought land. And so now their um, worship services on Sundays are followed by a meal together and working in the garden to um, to harvest uh, vegetables that can be donated to local food pantries. Um, I attended a worship service um, on top of a ski mountain with uh, because there's a church um, in New Hampshire that meets <laughs> on top of a ski mountain, which sounds amazing, like, hello, dream job. But, um, <laughs> you know, like there's um, there are some communities that are like, we're going to make this our our big kind of um, uh, um, uniting identity. And then there are also some communities that say, like, we just want this to be a part of um, we're, we're going to find um smaller ways to kind of build this in so that our um, our awareness and our um, kind of inclusion of this as our spiritual practices, we can support each other doing that. And, and it could be as simple as going out and taking a daily walk and calling that, um, you know, your spiritual practice of prayer. Like that's, that's going out into nature and being at awe. If you live in a city, you are still a part of like you can't escape the natural world. You may have some concrete laying on top of it, but you are breathing air. You are um, gathering your water from a watershed. That um, so there are there are all these um, elements of of the natural world that kind of bring our attention to this environmental theology that we're a part of in big ways and in little ways throughout um, um, our our daily lives, our our, our faith lives. Um, Last summer, I, I had the really great opportunity. One of the awesome things about being in grad school is you've got summers again. So I figured you got to use my last one for, for something great. And so I, I had the opportunity to walk the long trail, which um, goes from the Massachusetts border to Canada through the entire state of Vermont. Um, and it really became this, I wasn't expecting it, but it really became this um, deeply kind of spiritual experience for me um, and just really fulfilled. Uh, you know, I would, would would be reading Psalms and things that I, I had printed a couple with me and stuck them in my pack um, for evenings when we were kind of 
preparing dehydrated foods and things and and to read them and and to hear you know the the writers of the psalms celebrate through nature the glory of god and then to get up the next day and walk through it and and kind of create my own psalm that day by just what i observed and what i appreciated and what was hard and and to speak those truths back to god as i was in the midst of walking you know 270 something miles was a was a pretty um, incredible spiritual practice for me but you don't need to walk the state of vermont to do that you can be outside and experience the environment as a sacred practice in lots of ways what a great reminder of god's grace not only the walk that you went on but the fact that we don't have to do that yes in order to experience yes god graces us through many things like blister tape and you know kind strangers offering granola bars there's god is god is good Abby, um, this has been a tour de force. You are the best and intelligent and oh, uh, very you. wise beyond your years. We really thank you for sharing your your heart with us because this was clearly something you care deeply about and just so much to learn from and, and so many different ways for us to apply all of this to our own life. Like we said, it's it's one lens and there's other things just in terms of process that we can learn from this whole conversation. So I'll, any closing remarks before we sign off? Um, yeah, I would just say that, you know, when we when we talk about the environment, I think sometimes the fear of of the environmental crisis comes up and that can be a really scary thing. But but I hope that you find as you explore environmental theology, whether it be books or your daily walk for prayer or whatever it is, that it, it really fosters um, an active hope and not a passive one, one that really emboldens us to live our faith um, in the garden. It roots us back to what is elemental and mutual in our lives um, and really fills us with with um, let let your let yourself be filled by awe because that is that is a really powerful way that God speaks to us um, and moves us forward to to be active in our communities in ways that um, that really honors the environment and one another. So amazing! Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, it's always good to end with a word of hope. Well, friends, uh, thank you for listening as always for your continued support of these conversations and this podcast. Thank you, Abby, for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. Stay in peace, everyone. Thanks so much.